welcome to the House of Happies podcast. I'm Mila. And I'm Katie. And today is part two of sharing the vision of House of Happies and the three core pillars to what we'll build together and be part of as a community. When we started developing the House of Happies, we knew three things for sure. That we wanted to create a safe uh, place for people to invest in themselves, to learn and grow, and to also find a deeper connection to our individual purposes, maybe discover a superpower and embrace our own unique characteristics. Second, we also wanted to create a community of women helping women. That's why we call it support, building sub-communities and providing a place for us to shout out for or to offer help. The third pillar was built around solidarity, connecting the community to the broader issues and opportunities in front of women exploring issues, connecting the community to different causes, and rally our collective voice. And although our ideas have been evolving and also changed because of COVID, those three pillars have always remained core to what House of Happies is. So we'd like to take today's podcast to explore these three pillars just on a little bit more of a deeper level so we can give you a flavor of what to expect in each of them. Also, after the podcast, we'll let you know how you can help us shape what is offered in these three pillars, because what you are interested in is important to us, and we want to allow you to help contribute to the construction of our shared house. So to get things going, let's start with the first pillar, which, as Mila shared, is focused on self and an understanding and investing in ourselves, which we often don't pause to to do. So there are many ways we invest in ourselves. The first is through self-awareness and just understanding ourselves on a more deeper level. Who are we? What do we want? What's the world around us? How did we get here? All of those things. This, the second piece around that is we actually invest in ourselves to grow and learn in ways that are important to us, which requires us to carve out time and to carve out a path to understand what it is that we want to grow and learn and the ways that we want to do that. Another way that we invest in ourselves is by focusing on our health and wellness, physical health, mental health, um, spiritual health, whatever is shaping your world of feeling like you have a whole you and that it is complete and healthy and well. And then another way that we do this is just doing things that fulfill us, whether that's personal enrichment, our careers, engaging in our community, our family. Mila knows I have a passion for playing like a child. So, right? Yes. Like, what do you do to go out and find some joy in those ways? I personally have been enjoying the hopscotch courses that the children have been putting around the sidewalks in the neighborhood. And I'm sure everybody laughs at the 50-year-old woman doing hopscotch. So, you know, how are you investing in our in yourself? There's a quote that I really like, and it's going to seem strange that I'm going to quote a man for a women and girls organization in the second podcast, but this is a quote from Michael J. Fox. And he says, I am careful not to confuse excellence with perfection. Excellence I can reach for. Perfection is God's business. So I personally, I am not a religious person, but I get the intent behind his comment. As we said on the first podcast, right? We humans are messy and flawed and perfection is just not attainable because what even is perfection? But striving to be our best and most excellent self is definitely something well worth investing time and energy into. So in our experience, so many of the forums, the influencers, the speakers seem to be selling a perceived way to live. 
how to have it all, be our better self, having us chase after someone else's perception of what the perfect life is. And that can be exhausting. It can be frustrating. And frankly, it can just be darn depressing. So Mila and I, we're both in our fifties. I know (laughs) maybe she might not have wanted me to tell you that, but if we've learned anything in our combined century, it's that perfection is an illusion. And it's really about finding a way to embrace the life we have, enjoy the sweet part, strive towards the shifts that are important to us as an individual and feel connected and purposeful. So my friend, other than age outing you. No problem with that. Uh, Well, some of the topics that we want to explore are around getting to know ourselves. And we want to explore these with you. So talk about mental health, healthy and for the sake of it, healthy relationships, explored what means um, to have time poverty and the impact that it has on women, family demands, building personal and professional connections. There are several topics that we want to obviously discuss around the House of Puppies. And both of us have had our share of chasing some new and improved version of ourselves over the years. And we both, and I am going to speak more for me than for you, we have tried to reinvent ourselves. And for me, that every time that I moved to a different place, basically, I was reinventing myself once more. So I was thinking maybe, Katie, we could share something about uh, ourselves and something that we have invested in ourselves. Is that an idea? Sure. Do you okay, want, so- you want to start? Yeah, we'll start. Yeah, I will start. I had, I think it was not last year. Last year was COVID year. Let's jump back. 2019, I joined a program that was called the 100 Day Warrior Journey. And uh, basically, it was a program where you were looking into building the better version of yourself. And it was based on a Zen philosophy. There was a book about the 100 Day Warrior. And basically, when you talk about warrior is that you are being uh, brave and that the coward in you is the one that is making you uh, fearful, uh, apathetic, uh, negative and worried. And everything that has to do with negative feelings that you have in yourself are coming being because of cowardness and that is the book and that is the this experience that was based on and then basically what uh, I did was I joined this program where the emphasis was to work on yourself as a whole uh, human being and as a whole your whole body and it was your mind and your body so basically I had to meditate and I started meditating with the master some master once a week And then we had, let's say, some assignments that we had to do every week. And every week had like a, like a theme. So one week was purpose. The other one was courage. The other one was, uh, I don't remember, atonement. And there were a lot of different themes and we had to complete certain, let's say, tasks to be mindful. And we were adding different tasks. And at the same time, we were doing a, a health journey. So then we eliminated the typical suspects, sugar, coffee, alcohol, and then I don't know which one would be the yeah. last one. Fat, I, remember, I guess. I remember you having to give up your wine. 
Yes, I did for a hundred days. And what I did was I also, what I decided to do was I decided to write a, a, a blog for these hundred days. So then I would be accountable to myself and actually I would share my journey with everybody. So for me, what this meant was there was a moment that I was able to reduce my anxiety level just because I was focusing on, on myself and it's kind of crazy, but I was focusing on my mind when I was meditating and when I was trying to do mindful exercises during the week and also through the themes that we were discussing. And at the same time, I was doing exercises more than I normally did. And that is something, both things are, are two tools that I still carry on to today. Actually, I remember in December last year, I was going through a rough time and then somebody asked me, do you want to talk about it? And I said, no, I'm actually going to the gym. This was before lockdown and gym closes, but you know, I, I needed to just work out just to get out of my head and then not think about it. I was just focusing on something that I could attain. And at that moment was to sweat and do a spinning class. But these are tools that I started using in order to, to cope with things that are coming my way. So Probably I think that this is my, like, it sounds like you made a routine about yourself, yeah. like versus so many times we build routines about other people that we feel like we have a commitment or are obligated to, or need to be priorities in our life. And we lose track of the fact that we are a priority in our life as well. Ex exactly. So I just did a routine around myself and I can tell you, I don't meditate every day. I, maybe I should, maybe, but I am being kind to myself that if I don't meditate today and I don't feel like it or I forgot or whatever, I slept, overslept, then it's okay. So I also learned to be kinder to myself. So this was a very good investment for myself. I remember you going through this and following yeah. your blog. So it was quite <laughs> interesting to watch you on that journey. And one of the things as Mila said, she did was the blogging, which was public journaling basically. And, and journaling is pretty powerful tool, whether you just do that and keep it to yourself or whether you share it with the world, but you don't have to go pay or invest in a whole big program. Sometimes all you need is a bunch of paper or your digital journal and just pay attention, right? To yourself and your mind and how you were reacting. So I know, and I yeah. wish I had been there in person to have your first class of wine. For me, I've actually, so I personally am driven, like my core purpose as an individual is to learn and to teach. So like self-development and learning and finding things to soak up as a sponge is just kind of part of my DNA. Going after the right thing sometimes is not necessarily my strength because everything interests me. Over the last several years, there's been a couple things that have happened. And I think I'm going to hone in on one because I've had to focus on some things around my health and things are turning up and that's probably a podcast in and of itself. But one of the things that I really started focusing on and predominantly because at my job, I was tasked with developing and teaching content that had to do with this, which was around managing your own energy and really understanding what are the situations, the people, the activities, the environments that pull energy away from me? And what are the things that 
give me energy and energize me. And that's like a whole long thing. I mean, that's like the people in your life, the work that you do, the activities you get involved with, all of those different things. And so I had been exploring that for years. And one of the things that I had discovered was the the more that I made purposeful purposeful choices about and in that and, and in making that decision, I knew whether it was going to energize me or if it was going to be an energy suck. That in and of itself was very empowering to me. So one of the things I did, I don't know, some of you probably got on board with the whole Marie Kondo wave of things of going through your life and decluttering your life and getting rid of the junk around you. I could be better at that, frankly. But one of the things I did Marie Kondo was relationships. Because when I sat back and looked at it, there were people in my life who energized me. And there were people in my life who took energy from me. And in some of these relationships of people who took energy from me, I I really looked at them and analyzed whether I ever got energy from those individuals. Like I'm okay with giving some of the time, but I should get some of the time as well too. And frankly, so I just started letting go people. I, and I did that by either I just stopped responding or chatting with them on social media or just slowly stopped calling and just weaned myself off of different relationships in my life. And I cannot, I do not have the words to describe how uplifting and energizing that is because it just honestly took weight off my shoulders. It like was these friendships, these, they were like burdensome and I felt like I had to keep maintaining them. And I got to be honest with you, they probably, none of these folks are knocking on my door. So their lives are probably better without me in them as well, too. I don't take this personally. They didn't give you joy. They didn't give me, when I hugged them, I did not get joy. And I'm guessing that when they hugged me, they did not get joy. This is okay. Parting ways with people is okay. And, And for me, that was one of the things that I did that energized me and actually freed up time for me to invest more in the people and the relationships that were were energizing me and were were probably a bit more two-way and relationship wise so that's what i did and you I think that's very you powerful need anything for that you just got to make up your mind <laughs> yeah but that's very powerful and actually to have the courage to say okay i don't want to be to have this relationship anymore or to try to get out of a relationship is very difficult And uh, it might be a little bit easier with friendships, but when we're talking about, let's say, uh, partners, that is also very difficult. And sometimes we just, what's that? Or family, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so if we stay there because we feel that we don't have any other option, and and we do, and those are the things that we have to to believe in and think about how how to do it, right? Obligation is exhausting. Yes. (laughs) That's all I have to say on that. Yes. Okay, so if you are ready to get started or you don't know where to start talking about these topics or thinking about these topics, we have you covered. So head out to www.houseofaptis.com and visit the self-pillar. We have a few thought starters to get you going on a personal investment strategy. Sometimes it just takes a few good questions to get your mind jumping. And speaking of questions, it's time for this week's Compelling question. As you know, we introduced it in the first podcast. We are going to bring a compelling question related to our podcast or not necessarily. 
So we are going to be uh, asking a compelling question. Um, plus, keep your eyes open for a virtual learning series we'll be offering that will guide you through exercises designed to help you identify the personal development opportunities unique to you. So the compelling question, Katie, for today. All right. Some of you have probably discovered these types of things. There are all sorts of resources out there that are like question cards and prompts. I think there's an app that has like the 20 something questions that by the time you're done doing these questions with your partner, you'll have a deeper relationship. And it, there's all sorts of packs of cards. And Mila and I love these because sometimes, right, we're super chatty with each other, but otherwise you can, you might need a little thought starter. So Mila, I picked a card out of one of these decks of cards and- okay. um, uh, the first card I picked, I went, you know, maybe this is a little, we can't cover this in a podcast, which was, who are you? Oh, oh. we don't have time for that one. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. But anyways, uh, <laughs> no, the question I did land on is, and the compelling question we'll put out to all of you is, what did you most enjoy doing as a child? And do you get those feelings now? Ooh child oh my god I don't know I think it was just like playing outdoors that's what I I remember there was my my grandmother's house my my mother's mother she they had look my grandparents they had a house in a corner like in a cool cold stock and then there was a little square in front and there were a lot of trees and then, but there were no cars coming there because obviously it was just a little square. And then the people that were coming there, they were coming for that, for those houses over there. So then we would play, we means me, my brother and my, my older brother, because the other one was too little, my older brother and my cousins and family of 22 cousins. So then we were a bunch of kids. And then we would run outside and then we would go to the square and we would jump on the trees and then we would just climb the trees and then we would, uh, I don't know, we were running all the time there. And there was my aunt, my youngest aunt, she was always like outside just looking out for us and, and whatever. But it was, I think that just being outside and running outside and playing outdoors, I think that's something that I really love. And I think I, I still do. I still like to do, not that I'm going on trees, but <laughs> maybe if I could, but no, I, I maybe I, I, yeah, maybe if I could, I would, but yeah, but I still do love being outside and yeah, sitting outside, enjoying the outdoors. Yeah. I think nice. that's it. I totally agree with that. Like I used to love when it was autumn and jumping in leaves and I was constantly in the trees at my grandmother's house. That's where she knew to find me. So I totally agree. <laughs> I think the problem with climbing trees today is there's just more of us. We have more curves and stuff. You yeah. can't fit in those cracks and crevices quite as much. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm similar. I, as you, I mentioned, I love play and I love still trying to find it. Mila and I were doing something once and we found there was a trampoline there and I was all over that trampoline. But for me though, it's twirling. I love twirling, which is funny because I get motion sick. <laughs> um, I get more so as I get older, but I loved putting on music and I loved twirling and spinning and dancing and twirling and spinning and dancing and all of that. And I still do that today. 
every Saturday in the morning is twirling hour, and I put on the music and I even have a twirling mix. And so there's just right, besides the fact that dancing and music just gives you an endorphin boost anyways. Totally, um, yes. It's just, I just don't care. I'm getting my dance on and I just, it's very freeing for me. So, um, so, and it's even better if you have a skirt that twirls with you, but the, yeah, but I'm finding my leggings in my bathrobe too. So, <laughs> for me, twirling. For yeah. me, it's twirling. So that's today's compelling question. And we're super curious what you do. What did you do most enjoy uh, doing as a child? And do you still get those feelings now? I'm hoping to get a couple of ideas from all of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See you out there. Yeah. Exactly. We will put it um, online to make sure that you can answer and share your answers with us. And well, let's continue our topic from today and talk about the second pillar of the House of Apis. And this is the support pillar. Uh, since we started working together, Katie and I always had the idea of placing a community at the center of everything we did because we wanted to have a safe space for everyone to come together, be able to discuss freely and be able to be our imperfect selves with no judgment. Um, we have both seen and experienced the power of having a strong support system or a network to reach into. And that feeling of being part of a community that has your best interest in mind is actually very important. Um, the other thing is that we strongly believe that we get by with the support of people around us whether it's family or friends, colleagues um, and classmates. And one important part is that we place female friendships very high in our scale of our priorities and we nurture those. And I personally feel very fortunate to have several sisters around the world. These are women that have become soundboards and rocks in times of needs or doubts. And also they are the best uh, confidence and company to enjoy, relax, laugh, and also the best travel partners. Well, you know, and Neil, you and I both know that like some of us are very gifted at building their community and their network and can make fast friends out of strangers every day, but not all of us are like that. I am, I am a social introvert. Once I get to know you, I'm like, you'll, you would never even guess that, but I have a really, like, I have to focus very hard to network and make connections and, and whether that's online or in person, it is, it, networking is very stressful for me. And like, for me, this is something I have to consciously make it effort on and work on. I don't know, Mila, you always seem like it's easy to you, but I don't know, I, you, something else like yeah. that back there too. For me, it is difficult. I feel very odd and very awkward when I'm getting into a room that I don't know anybody. So I tend to uh, gravitate to one person to begin with. And then I start like building a little bit of a conversation with one person and then going to another person. If I'm in a big group and if I know everybody, then I am like a social bee. I was going to say butterfly, but it's a bee. But uh, yeah, but it is also something that I know that is challenging for some people and for some people it becomes very natural. And because of this, we made a space on the House of Apis website to help us connect with each other in meaningful ways. And actually, we hope that at the moment that this podcast is broadcasted, we already have our community completely built. 
But if not, please make sure that you sign in and then you will get a notification when the community is open. So uh, staying true to our Apis nature, nature, because we're coming from that world of the honeybees, we call this meeting space the honeycomb. This is a place where women can connect together to seek and give help, a space where you can be both a teacher and a student and you can seek help and you can offer help and you can just be yourself. Yeah, Mila, you've heard me talk about this before. I have a mentor who used to talk about you need to, you know, for people who row, who do crew, where you've got a team of, I don't even know how many people, eight or 10 people in the boat, all trying to win the race, you build your crew. So you have the best team to be able to compete and be in that race. You have a destination in mind, you know where you're going, you know what you need in your rowboat and how to get there. And she used to talk about building your network, like selecting the people you would have in your rowboat. And you need different people for different things. Like everybody has a different job. So maybe someone helps you with career navigation. Another person is helping you with everyday life aspects. Another person is your relationship guru. It's the person you go to as, you know, when you meet somebody, when you're trying to meet somebody and, and so on, right? There's different, you need to go to different people for different things at different times. And no one person in your life, or it's very rare for one person in your life to be the expert on all things for you. And so we want House of Apis to be a place that you can build your rowboat crew and you'll need different people along the course of the journey that you chart for yourself. And some of those people you'll tap into forever and other you're only going to tap into for a specific stage of your journey, but everybody's valuable along that path. So you and I were reflecting a little bit on this in regards to ourselves and who could we use in our rowboat at this time in our life. So I have some ideas for me, but Milo, if you think about it this moment in your life, like who could you use in your crew? I am actually, I can use somebody that um, supports me in my uh, health or getting healthy journey. I have had some health uh, challenges, uh, very mild, thankfully, but I have had some health challenges uh, lately and I 50, as Katie already mentioned, so I'm dealing with hormone uh, challenges as well. So basically I'm trying to be on top of my health and being eating healthier and exercising and yeah getting a little bit more of sun but here is a little bit difficult <laughs> but anyway i could use somebody there i also just started a new day job let's say because this is uh, my night job but i started a new job and then i i can use uh, my team members actually to support me in the learning process and the learning curve in my new uh, company I'm enjoying it uh, very much, but then obviously there is always a, a learning curve and I could use in my rowboat. Now, I think the closeness with my family, with my brothers especially, because obviously my, my parents are growing older and luckily they are very healthy, but this is something that we need to start thinking about and support them as well. So I think that's my rowboat at the moment. Yeah, you and I are going to have some similar ass, which makes sense since we're a similar life stage. I I definitely could use a few people in my rowboat. <laughs> some people have already had my reach out for this question. I asked somebody this weekend a question that had to do with menopause. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is a question that's going to provide you too much information about me, but I need 
to talk to somebody who's already started this journey. So I, before I go there, like I could absolutely use someone who has been in our shoes as far as starting a content driven social platform. We're learning a lot along the way. And both you and I have some really great people that have, you know, given us some tips and some help, but I definitely could tap into some individuals that have been down this path before just to, to go, Oh, Hey, okay. You're here. Look around the corner. Here's what could be waiting for you next. Right. Yeah. I definitely, similar to what you were saying, I could use someone who has some wisdom to share around elder care and what to expect and to consider with aging parents. I, like I mentioned in the first podcast, my brother passed away 20 years ago. It's just me. And like you, Mila, you're even farther away from your parents, but I'm on the other side of the country from my parents. And so it's not like I can go check on them every day and strategies are cross country. And then, hey, I'd love somebody who could give me some tips on retirement because I'll never fully be retired, but I'd like to be thinking about things I could be putting into place. And then, like <laughs> I was mentioning, 100% could use someone as a resource in regard to menopause, right? Like it's knock, knock, knocking on my door for sure. And I, I could totally use some help around that. All of you, hopefully, start thinking about who could be in your rowboat. Who do you need? And also, what do you have to offer for others who are looking for people to be in their rowboat? But, um, you know, some both Mila and I were mentioning things about our age and the change that happens to women at our age. Yeah. It actually inspired me for our Did You Know segment this week. And, And so today... I almost use it as random trivia time for did you know, I went out looking for something related to women's bodies, like some did you know about menopause or something around what you and I are experiencing, but I stumbled upon something very interesting, but the the beginning of the journey. (laughs) And so Mila, if you were to guess which film production company first used the word vagina in a film, Yep, we went there. Second podcast, Vagina is in the world. <laughs> Who would you guess was that production company? The, the guys that is now in jail? Uh, yes, yeah, we will. It, his name shall not be said, but yeah. That's why I am calling him <laughs> like that, Lord Voldemort. Uh, let's say HBO. Ah, well, I can, see, I can see why you would go to both of those. What would you say if I told you it was Walt Disney Productions? <laughs> this day but one of the but it cannot be like in the main uh, things or was it i you know so first of all i was, I was laughing when i saw this because I, I used to work for them for many years and i had never heard this but it was in 1946 it was a partnership with the company. 1946 1946 unbelievable the first use of the word vagina in a film, but it was in partnership with the company that's now known as Kimberly Clark. They're the makers of Kotex, so feminine hygiene products. And it was called The Story of Menstruation. And it was oh like God. an education film to be shown to girls in schools or at seriously to girls in schools. That's great, actually. So if you're curious, you can go on out into the interwebs and you can suss it out. You can find it there. We'll put the link to it in the podcast notes for uh, this episode. And again, like you can find it out there and it's called the story of menstruation. So there you have this episode's Did You Know? Well, on that note, it's probably a good time to transition into our third pillar, 
which focuses on topics, issues, opportunities that impact and are important to the women and girls community. This pillar we have called solidarity. And we call this space the hive, because when the hive comes together and swarms around something important to the community, we can have a louder and a stronger voice. And we will call you to activate the hive. I think it would be good if we explain a little bit more about this pillar throughout some specific examples. So let's try to explore some topics that are important to us personally. So then maybe we can comment on how do we activate the hive or how do we plan to touch upon the solidarity topics uh, in our House of Apis. Yeah, I think so. Mila and I clearly have passion topics. So we felt like maybe if we used some of our passion topics, we could better illustrate, you know, what that would look like. So for me, I'm involved in an organization that is trying to prevent and ultimately eliminate child sex trafficking in the Pacific Northwest here in the United States. And if I think about that relative to what, how that would show up for the House of Apis and within solidarity is one would be exploring the issue in general. Like, I think a lot of people are aware and understand that there is human sex trafficking happening around the world. And I think in, in a lot of cases, individuals, especially in the more industrialized nations, think that's another, that's a problem somewhere else. And it's not it's happening in your backyard. I assure you it's happening in your backyard. And so let's talk about it. Let's bring it to the surface and bring some awareness. And, and not only where we believe it happens, but also a, a bit more about the more global issue around it. Secondarily, exploring who is being victimized, I think, really understanding this population that's being preyed on, where they're being preyed on, how they're being preyed on, how they're being manipulated, all of those things, because those gives you the signs and the signals of things that you can either one, do to protect the individuals within your own home, but secondarily, what you could be doing in the community to be keeping an eye and helping others. One of my one of the stories that I love is from it's an airline here in the US. They put all their flight attendants through training to look for the signs and signals of somebody being transported for human trafficking and what they could do in that process. And there's a story of the flight attendant basically left post it in the bathroom to basically, if this is happening, let me know kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And through some signals, like the passenger was able to indicate that was what was going on. And when the plane landed, the police were waiting there. And there's just, there's just different things. So how do you explore that issue just to even understand what the issue is and what's happening and how you can play a role in trying to prevent it? The other place is who are the organizations? Who's doing something about it? Where can you get information? Who's tracking it? Who are the organizations? Who are the players? Who should you be paying attention to? And then the other piece, like we mentioned, so how do you get involved? Whether you prefer to do it through your wallet or whether you prefer to do it through your time or whether you prefer to do it through your voice or some combination of those aspects. And how do we connect you to these issues so that you can contribute in a way that's important for you? And for me, that's just, that's one of the issues that I'm really focused on. Another one for me is around financial independence for women and the different programs and different ways that's happening from everywhere from developing countries to industrialized countries. But 
just for example, those are some of my passion points. Mila, what about you? Well, for me, obviously those points are, are very important and I actually have help also uh, as a volunteer, help with some time and doing some workshops with a human trafficking or a, an, as, a, an organization against human trafficking here in Amsterdam. But my, what I'm very passionate about is obviously the situation that Venezuela, my country, is in and have been in for the last 20 years already, and that it doesn't seem to have a, a, an end goal. Actually, when I, I look at the, the news this week, and it's, it's the first time in many months that the news are, that there are some news from Venezuela in the, the global news, let's say, on CNN, there was a report about how women have to uh, choose between buying contraceptives or buying food because uh, the minimum salary is around 60 cents of a dollar per month and contraceptive pills could cost around $13 per month and condoms could cost, I don't remember exactly the numbers, but let's say $2 per month. And then they were talking about how women needed to choose between one and the other. And then I was thinking, why is it only women that have to yeah. choose? And not men. Why yeah. can't men just buy condoms yeah. and also be part of the solution? But in any case, I mean, Venezuela has so many challenges. And a lot of the challenges are that the, the most of the people that have left the country are people that are like the younger people that are in their, let's say, work years. 25 to 45, 50 years old, they had been leaving the country to work elsewhere to actually send money to their parents and their family at home. And then you see that there are a lot of grandparents raising the kids, their grandkids, because they had to, you know, they, they didn't go out. So then there is always somebody that has a, a family member outside of the, of the country that is actually putting together $1, $2 per month to send to Venezuela because it is, it is a very difficult situation. So for me, that is something that, you know, I see that people don't, don't know what is happening. Actually, these past days, I have been seeing what had been happening in Myanmar. Yeah. And yeah basically, when I see the uh, protests and all these people being harassed by the military and being hit and everything, I see the images and basically it reminds me of Venezuela. And these are things that probably all of us that are living in developed countries and are in a better situation, a more stable situation, we don't really recognize what is the suffering that is happening elsewhere and how that impacts not only women, everybody, but also women and kids. And, and I think that for me, it will be a very important part of the solidarity pillar to highlight some of the issues that are happening outside of the, of the developed world oh, yeah. um, because they need uh, our help a lot as well. And then there are many ways that you can get involved. Imagine I'm 60 cents of a dollar that is one month salary in Venezuela. If you contribute three dollars per month, then you're contributing three monthly salaries. So imagine how much you can do. And it's not only money, of course, it is just the awareness and then how to help out. So in any case, our goal here is to help highlight topics and issues. Many of you, uh, which um, you might not be aware, depending on your location or your context, the idea will be to mobilize the community in a way that is meaningful, 
uh, to the women and girls movement, yes, yet personally rewarding the individuals. You can contribute your own way in whatever you feel that you want to be uh, involved with. And we can pull the community together to raise the volume on our collective voice to the issues that we decide as a community that are important to us. All right. So we, what we're hoping is that you all will help bring some of these issues and opportunities to surface that we'll highlight as well as we'll be bringing organizations and groups and topics. But now it's that time for It Doesn't All Suck where we bring you some good news that's happening in the world. And the one that we want to share this week is it's pretty, it's U.S. centric. So I apologize to our global community for this, but it's been an interesting back and forth argument that has happened in the U.S. And that is the young women of the Boy Scouts. So this year, the scouting organization welcomed its inaugural class of female Eagle Scouts. Um, which is the highest rank a Boy Scout can earn, which is a big deal. If you're into that culture, becoming an Eagle Scout is a pretty big deal. So, more so before people, girls could not be Eagle Scouts? No, well, they couldn't be in the Boy Scouts in general. Oh, okay. Right? Like, okay. So therefore, couldn't be an Eagle Scout. Yes. So okay. more than 1,000 young women and girls make up this year's Eagle Scouts, a distinction achieved only after earning 21 merit badges and assuming a leadership role and running a large service project all before the age of 18. You know, meanwhile, they're trying to be a high schooler. They're trying to do their other things that they do as part of their education. And so just as a reference, only around 6% of Boy Scouts ever graduate to Eagles. Oh, wow. Yep. So for example, one of the young women who are in the Eagle Scout rank at this point, her project was uh, she created a foot operated sanitation machine for her local YMCA. So this is like stuff that some adults don't <laughs> do anyway. Yeah, that's so, so cool. I, it is cool, right? And I, you had Boy Scouts and you had Girl Scouts, but they have different activities and their badges are different. And for young girls and young women who didn't want to be doing the activities that are generally part of the Girl Scouts and found what was in the Boy Scouts curriculum more challenging, didn't have access to it. And so now they become an Eagle Scout. Oh, that's actually great. Yeah. I, I thought that they were part of the same organization, but I guess that they, they are not. Yeah. Okay. It's cool. Good for them. Yeah. So I think we're coming to the end of our podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in on today's pod podcast. We're hoping that you heard something that piques your interest and makes you come back and come back and make you curious also to be part of the community. Join us for the next episode where we explore the concept of imperfect life a bit deeper with some mystery guests where we'll discuss how our personal life context shapes our self-perception and can move us toward or away from a life where we tap into our superpowers towards a personal purpose. And then I said towards several times. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's redundant and repetitive. But anyway, we are happy that you were with us today and we're looking forward to seeing you next time. So in the meantime, remember, each week we're going to put out our asks, something we hope you'll explore or lean into to learn and grow on your own self-development journey and to participate with the community. So this week, our ask is for you to think about your rowboat.
So who is in it currently? Who do you already have? What do you need? And who do you need to go seek out in order to help fill out that rowboat? And to help you, we've put a worksheet that you can download out on our website at www.houseofapis.com. And we'll also keep the conversation going on social media. So we hope to see you out there. So until next week, good evening from Amsterdam and good morning from Seattle. Bye-bye. Bye.